Hello there. Welcome. It's the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast where we take a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era, and we look into the stories behind them. That's what we do here. My name is Claude Call, and I am sounding good this week. If you want to get in touch with me, come find me on Twitter at HowGoodItIsPod, or you can leave a comment on the website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you can find some additional trivia, some follow-ups, and other stuff that I found interesting. And don't forget to check out and follow the show's Facebook page, which I can sense is on the edge of turning into a cool little community. It's over at Facebook.com slash Ow, How Good It Is Pod. In the early 1960s, you had white artists and you had black artists, and there wasn't a lot of crossover between the two. With a few exceptions like Chuck Berry and Fats Domino, black artists had a tough time getting airplay on quote-unquote white stations, and there were plenty of times when a black artist song would get covered by a white artist, at which point the song would turn into a bigger hit entirely because that's the version that got all the airplay. In 1964, Phil Spector's artist stable was populated entirely by black female artists, and he decided he wanted to get some males in there. One night in San Francisco, he was conducting the band at a show when one of the acts came on. It was a duet that called themselves the Righteous Brothers. He was impressed by enough by the act that he wanted to sign them for his own Phillies label. So Spectre hired the songwriting duo of Barry Mann and Cynthia Wilde to write a song specifically for the Righteous Brothers. Mann and Wilde had a pretty good track record at that time, having penned hits such as He Sure the Boy I Love for the Crystals. And Blame It on the Bossa Nova by Edie Gourmet. And Walking in the Rain for the Ronettes, among several other songs that they had written. So Man and Wild, they had a good track record, and they also had um, quite a, a varied uh, selection of, of hit songs going on. So Man and Wild came out to Los Angeles from New York to work on the song, and they took some time to listen to what was currently playing on the radio. One of the songs that came to their attention was uh, The Four Tops, Baby I Need Your Lovin', and it was that song that inspired them to write a ballad. Man wrote the melody first, and he also came up with uh, the song having that opening line start a cappella. He actually picked that up from another song that he had co-written with Larry Colbert a couple of years earlier, and he liked the way it sounded, so he recycled the idea. Perhaps you remember it from the Paris Sisters. I love how your eyes close. Now, Man and Wild wrote the first uh, two verses pretty quickly, and here's where the story of the song's writing gets a little bit murky, because Phil Spector also has a writing credit on You've Lost That Love and Feeling. By this point, Spector was able to demand a co-writing credit on records and get it, because he had that level of clout. And remember, getting a writing credit means that you get a piece of the royalties any time the song is used, as opposed to credit as an artist or a producer, when you only get money when that specific recording is played. So it's possible that uh, Spectre simply demanded credit and got it. But the more plausible explanation is that Spectre did contribute a couple of elements of the song. 
specifically the gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa part at the end of the chorus, which Wyla said in an interview she doesn't like. She feels it it sounds like filler material. Uh, Spectre also reportedly helped the uh, composers out with the bridge in the song. According to music historian Mark Myers, Man and Wild asked Spectre for help, and he started fooling around on the piano with a little hang-on sloopy type of riff that they had built on for the bridge. Now, if you know your dates, you know that the McCoy's hang-on sloopy came out a year later. But if you know your songs, you'll remember that its original incarnation, My Girl Sloopy, was released by the Vibrations a year earlier, and it did, in fact, hit the charts. Anyway, if you listen to the opening of the bridge with that in mind, it's kind of obvious. Here's the McCoy's version of the riff. And here are the Righteous Brothers. Baby, baby, I'd get down on my knees for you. So yeah, that story does pretty much hold water. Now, uh, Phil Spector's final contribution is the title. You've Lost That Love and Feeling was just meant to be a placeholder title, but Spector liked it, and he kept it that way. So after the song was finished, the three of them took it to the Righteous Brothers. Bill Medley liked the song, but he had a couple of concerns. First, most of their material was in an up-tempo rhythm and blues style, and the demo sung by Man and Wild was sung in the key of F, which is a much higher key than uh, Bill Medley's typical baritone voice. Medley said in an interview that when he first heard the song, he thought it would be a great track for the Everly Brothers to sing. But Man and Wild kept lowering it and lowering it until they finally settled on C-sharp, and Spectre slowed the tempo down so it sounded a little bit more like a ballad. Now, as far as Bobby Hatfield is concerned, the other Righteous Brother, he was a little bit annoyed when he found out that Medley would sing the entire first verse solo, and he would have to wait until the chorus before he'd be singing too. Typically, both of the Righteous Brothers had equally equal prominence uh, in a song. According to a few sources, Hatfield asked, hey, what am I supposed to do during Medley's solo? And Spectre told him, oh, you can go directly to the bank. Never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. So the vocals were recorded a few weeks after that. Uh, per his usual method of operating, Spectre laid down the instrumental tracks first, including the overdubs. Spectre also worked in mono rather than stereo, which gave him a little bit more control over getting the sound to come out exactly the way he wanted it to. The vocals were then recorded by Medley and Hatfield, and then the strings were overdubbed. The backup singers were mostly Spectre's group The Blossoms, which means that Darlene Love is on this recording. And also among the backup singers during the song's crescendo is a 19-year-old Cher. Then some uh, reverb was applied to the whole thing, and a little more added to the lead vocals during the final mixing stage. All of these elements came together to create a definitive Phil Spector wall of sound recording. In fact, this was the song that inspired uh, Andrew Oldham, the manager of the Rolling Stones, to come up with the phrase wall of sound, which Spectre ultimately registered as a trademark. Bill Medley has said that in the recording studio, he and Bobby Hatfield usually knocked out a song pretty quickly, on the order of less than an hour. In this case, it took them 39 takes and 8 hours over a 2-day period to get the vocals down. But Medley has said he didn't mind because it was clear to him that it was getting better each time around. But you know, nobody knew if the song was going to be a hit. 
By all accounts, it was too slow. It was competing against all the British Invasion Acts, and it was too long. Now, Spectre compensated for the length thing by deliberately putting the song's length on the record label as 3 minutes and 5 seconds, 3.05. The song is actually closer to 3.50. It took a little while for the uh, program directors at the radio stations to figure out why their playlists were running long, but by the time they caught on, the song was already a hit. Incidentally, Billy Joel's song, The Entertainer, gives this story a little bit of a hip check. The Righteous Brothers also appear to have been among the first groups to have the phrase blue-eyed soul applied to them as a musical genre. The phrase was mostly used by disc jockeys at black radio stations to signal to listeners that they were playing a white artist's work. And between the crossover nature of the song, plus the Righteous Brothers' regular appearances on the show Shindig, and a sound frequently described as Wagnerian, the song entered the Billboard charts just before Christmas of 1964, reaching the number one spot and holding it for two weeks, starting February 6, 1965. The song also peaked at number two on the R&B charts, and because of its length, it became the longest song ever to top the chart. At its time. Nowadays, of course, it's not even among the top 20 longest number one songs. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. The song was covered by Scylla Black and released in the UK just a few weeks after the Righteous Brothers version dropped. The BBC actually preferred her version and gave it more airplay, and it began to climb the charts faster than the Righteous Brothers version. Now, when Decca Records, the Righteous Brothers label in the UK, realized what was going on, the Righteous Brothers staged a quick week of touring Britain and promoting the song on radio and TV. And at the same time, Andrew Oldham, remember him? I talked about him a couple minutes ago. He spent his own money to place a full-page ad in Melody Maker magazine promoting the Righteous Brothers version. It reads, This advert is not for commercial gain. It is taken as something that must be said about the great new Phil Spector record, The Righteous Brothers singing You've Lost That Love and Feeling." Already in the American Top 10, this is Spectre's greatest production, the last word in tomorrow's sound today, exposing the overall mediocrity of the music industry. Signed, Andrew Oldham. P.S. See them on this week's Ready Steady Go. And within two weeks, Black's version began to drop off the chart after peaking at number two. And when the Righteous Brothers recording finally made it to number one, Black's was at number four and dropping. Now, there are a couple of other covers of the song that are worth noting, and they didn't compete with the original. One was recorded by Dionne Warwick in 1969 for her album called Soulful, and it was the only single off that album. And there's no tenderness like the This record went to number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 13 on the R&B chart. And then in 1980, Daryl Hall and John Oates did a cover of the song that appeared on the album Voices. And there's no tenderness like the 
Despite a few earlier hits, Hole Notes were having some trouble getting airplay, and they made some production changes to put this album together. Their recording of the song, which is very sparse compared to the Wall of Sound's lavish tone, makes for a great contrast from that original version. And while it just missed the top 10, peaking at number 12, many consider it to be the record that jump-started their career and made them hitmakers for the better part of the 1980s. This recording is also kind of unusual in that it showcases John Oates much more than most of their hits did. And in fact, I think this is probably the last of their hits to feature John Oates like this. Now, according to Billboard magazine, the performing rights organization Broadcast Music Incorporated, or BMI, reported that You've Lost That Love and Feeling became the most played song of all time on American radio uh, as of 1997, with over 7 million airplays when you take all the recorded versions into account, and that beat out the Beatles yesterday at that point. By the end of 1999, the song was ranked by BMI as the most played song of the 20th century, having been broadcast more than 8 million times on American radio and television, and it remains the most played song, having accumulated almost 15 million airplays in the U.S. as of 2011. That's an awful lot of love that's gone, gone, gone. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Next time around, we're going to discover how good it is when you go rocking, Robin. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you then. Hey.